Hi, I'm Marilyn and welcome to my Lead Your Day show. Casual chats, interviews with inspiring people and lots of teaching with an inside out approach to not just building your own business, but being the leader your world is absolutely a craving to follow. In a nutshell, I teach entrepreneurs to lead and that starts with leading your day. Okay, so this episode, if you're a fan of Star Wars, a real fan, like a fangirl, (laughs) and uh, you would know who Ula is, or even Jabba the Hutt's dancing girl, the actress who played the famous Ula is coming up on this episode. And can I let you into a little secret? It's these type of interviews with really interesting, fascinating women who haven't got anything to sell that I love the most. So please enjoy this fascinating interview with a fascinating woman, Femi. Welcome to the show, Femi. This is... Thank you, Marilyn. Can I just say it's a bit of a fangirl moment because we are are a Star Wars family. (laughs) Oh, woo-hoo. I didn't know. I just, I didn't want to say anything. I just no, thought, no. Oh, I, I, don't, I never say no, anything. No, I don't. I, don't, I have lots of friends who yeah. are in the, the, the entertainment industry and the movie industry and, you know, our yeah. mutual friend Michael Brown, who we adore. And it's all, you know, it, it, Michael mm. loves it because she. I got to know her before I even knew who, what she did. But when, uh, when we yeah. made contact and the mutual contact, contact with uh, Michael um yeah I was like oh this is so exciting so but we'll talk about that moment welcome to the show look thank you what a fascinating life is have you written a biography yet yeah or has someone written a biography oh my goodness I know everyone keeps saying to me you gotta write your biography and I think oh I've had enough stuff in there and where do I start and <laughs> maybe this little guy should do this and I I, I know I I, sh- I must and it's just doing it it's just getting it rolling and and sort of finding where do I start with it do I get a ghost reader Mm. to do it do I um it's quite daunting I think that's Mm. what's putting me off because it's quite daunting quite a lot of stuff just regurgitate up let's see what we get in today but I will let's see yeah yeah, you've got a British accent but you're not born Mm -hmm. British are you and you don't live in Britain anymore so tell us no what how did you get that accent and then we'll go right back to the beginning. Then we can go right back to the beginning. That's a good idea because there's so much. Um, I got this accent because my parents, my adopted parents, are white English. I was brought up in a very um, white middle-class uh, area uh, in London. Um, so I was, I wouldn't say I was robbed of my African accent, <laughs> but I, I was just, I was, you know, that's what, my my ears heard and that's the accent I and they're you know they're well spoken mm. middle class well spoken people so that's how I got this very white middle class accent which has been great but in some ways it's been a hindrance in what ways uh because well because you know for instance if you're on the telephone um you'll say oh yeah this is Femi and first of all they say oh Femi where's that from Nigeria and then, okay hmm. and then they speak to me and then when I turn up it's like you don't sound the way, <laughs> wait a minute, this doesn't, and it, I mean, it's okay now, yeah. but back back then it was like yeah. confusing to so many people. So 
You were um, born in Nigeria and oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a, a a mud hut and your mother died in child. I mean, tell us about that. Paint a picture for yeah. us. Okay, well, what happened in, in 1961? Um, my Nigerian family, my, apparently my mother was, um, my father was, and mother was traveling from north down to south because they were very poor and they needed to um, find some money. And my mother was expecting, I don't know if she knew she was expecting twins, but they were traveling south to get money. Um, she was a cloth trader. Um, and then what happened when we were due to be born, um, she, they lived in this mud hut because it was a very primitive village and, um, she bled to death. She, she, once after she had her second, second, um, the twins, because we were twins, she bled to death and, um, and my father back then, because we weren't in our proper village um he was at sort of a crossroads in terms of what do I do do I take them to this orphanage because my my wife's just died in childbirth I have four extra children um and he traveled to Lagos this was in Baden just outside of Baden traveled to Lagos to get this doctor friend to come back to say look my wife is bleeding and then by the time he got back so I'm not painting the picture very well by the time he got back my mother had died and then they said what are you going to do with these twins so um, they thought, well, there's a mission hospital, so we'll, we'll put them in a bucket or, and travel to the mission hospital. He did that with us and just left us there, dumped wow. us there and left. And um, this was, um, and so I'm just trying to sort of picture what happened and then my mother who I have now, my mum who I have now, she is working, um, she had her first child and um, she knew this nurse and they said, she said, oh, there's this mission hospital down the road and they need, they need people. And she said, well, I've got a one-year-old already. I, I, I don't have time. Anyway, one day she woke up and she said, I'm going to go down to this mission hospital. Um, and she did. And she said, look, I'm not a trained nurse or anything but um, do you need some help? They said, we've just had these two little twins. They've got malaria. They've got really bad skin um, defect. Um, they, they weigh two pounds each. They're dying. We can't look at the afternoon because we're too understaffed and they had so many babies. Uh, so they said, would you be willing to take them back to get them better? And my mum said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take them back. Um, so she did. And um, just to fill you in, my dad was working, setting up his first Nigerian television station. Your adopted dad. So that's why she was uh, over in Nigeria. Yeah. yeah, that's why he was, that's why um, they were over there for three years. And um, she came home with us in too. A and <laughs> my, in a bucket. And my dad said, what are you doing? We can't afford to look after them. She said, well, no, no, we're just going to get them better. Mm. So um, that's what happened. And it, it took them about three to six months. They had to feed us every half hour, um, every day for three months because we were so wow. sick. Um, but by the time six months came up and we were better and we were moving from Ibadan to Port, Port, Port Harcourt, um, we went back to the mission hospital to try and trace the father, but the 
my father left a false name and they couldn't track him down. So they said, well, what are we going to do with them? And they said, well, uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep them then. Mm. But it, my mum said it was, wasn't her intentions to, to take us back and leave us in the mission hospital. They wanted to keep us, but they wanted to see if we could try and trace the family. Mm. So that's what happened. So we... We stayed with the family, and then when we got back to England, when I was about two, three, uh, we I was adopted. Wow! Mm-hmm. And have you ever been able to trace your yeah. biological father? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the wonderful thing here is that Dad was always, Mum and Dad were, were always open about trying to trace the family, and they said, "If you ever want us to do that, then we're." would be more than happy to. And Dad's a film director. He was working for the BBC, World About Us series, for many years. And he said, I'm going to go back to Nigeria. I've got to make a film on this actor, travelling actor with his theatre company. Anyway, he said, he, in his spare time, would you be willing for us to, to, to try and trace the family? So, um, and this was, I think it was 1983. Three, they went back. So um, yes, we said be wonderful. So they put a local advertisement on radio station saying that a set of twins are born in this village in 1961. Um, mother died in childbirth. Uh, they were left in this Catholic hospital, this orphanage. Does anybody remember the incident? And somebody, somebody, somebody knew one of my real brothers. I said, this sounds like the two babies that you've often talked about. And a lot of people went to the mission hospital because they thought, well, a white middle yeah. class English person coming. They thought, oh, money, 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 money. Oh. But anyway, dad said, as soon as one of your brother, as soon as your brother and your dad walked in, your real father walked in, we knew that was family. So that's how we traced mm. family through a local advertisement on the radio station. So And was that yeah. A, and so I met Was that a good experience? It was a good experience because back then I was about 22 and I needed to, I think, with a lot of kids who adopted, you have this mm. issue with abandonment mm. and you have this issue about, I also felt there was sort of a hole in my soul, a sadness that I needed to complete in terms of wanting to find out where I was from, my family background. So, and and being at that age, it was right. So going back and meeting my little sister, my three other brothers, and my father was incredible. Wow. Very was incredible. healing. It was very mm. healing, very healing. And, and it, it brought closure as well mm. that mm. I needed um, in terms of, yeah, in terms of just just in yeah. life. So it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. You mentioned that. If there was a theme for your life, it's crossroads. And it's already that it was a major sliding door moment. You could have stayed, you could have left. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was incredible because I, uh, even, yes, even back then when the, the, the doctor who knew my real father said, look, if you stay in this village, no one's going to look after these two babies. Nobody knows them. They're not interested because normally in a, a, an African family, somebody will look after the, mm-hmm. the child. Somebody will. But back then, they didn't know anybody. And he said, you have the choice. They either stay here and not be looked after and die, or she'd take them to the mission hospital, to this orphanage I know about, which is not far from here, and try and see if they have survival. 
So that was the that was the first crossroads, yes. sliding doors moment of my life that was was chosen for what me. What was the um, next one? And it was a destiny. Oh, the next one was uh, um, my my um, best friend. When I was four years old. My best friend at my nursery school. We were inseparable again. When Mum went to, took us to our, our first day, some the teacher said, "Oh, who needs to look after these twins? Only one person put their hand up." And this little girl with glasses, short hair, looked like a boy. She said, "I'll look after them." And um, so we became best friends. Anyway, her mum said, "Oh, Mirabel's going to go to her dance class today. Do you want to go along?" I went, oh, "I'll just go along." For a laugh. And Mirabel said, "Yeah, yeah, come along, come along, come along." And then. I stepped into class and we did our bar and did a little bit of work in the centre. And I thought, oh, this is just wonderful. I thought, this is what I want to be. This is what I want to be. So I rushed home. At four years old, you knew that. I said, mum, four years old, knew yet. I said, mum, 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 mum. I want to be a dancer. I want to be a dancer. And she said, oh, darling, you know, it's that's not much of a career for you. Would you think of something else? I said, I want to be a dancer. She said, well, let's just, well, let's see how how supple you are. Oh. And I, she said, can you do the splits? I went, mm. and I tried to do the splits <laughs> that way and I couldn't get down. And she said, darling, try the other way. And I did, I went right down. She said, well, that's number one. You've got suppleness. And from that day on, I, I just did dancing and I did my classes. So that was my other sort of crossroads because I wasn't going to go. I just thought, oh, I really don't want to go on to sort of go home and play with my dolls. Mm. But that was my t- And I didn't realise I had mm. that gift. And you were an obsessed dancer from then on? From then on, I did my dance class every, I think it was twice a week back then. Um, um, and then I uh, I just danced every, yes, every oh. week, every, nearly every day, up until I was 16. And I auditioned, for, I'm not auditioned, I got into a very good dance school. So that's, you know, that was my mission. What was your favourite or type of dance? I loved ballet and um I wasn't really and I loved modern jazz when I was a little girl um there were all sorts of types but then when I went to the contemporary London School of Contemporary Dance um it was contemporary and I wasn't too keen on that I loved jazz and ballet and I thought oh all these contractions and uh, I hate it it." but anyway another crossroads coming up tell us (laughs) I'm just captivated here sitting here yes Love stories. Oh, um, and I was the rebel in my class, an absolute rebel. I just thought, oh, I just saw this serious business of prancing around and being artistic and I, I just didn't get. And um, there was one teacher, a ballet teacher, who didn't like me. I didn't know this. He didn't really like me. He wanted me out of the school. And um I felt I was good enough to stay on and I got a really good report and um, they said, yeah, it's all the teachers said you could stay on. And this one teacher said, no, I want you to leave. And by then I was, um, I was going up for an audition for Bubbling Brown Sugar, uh-huh. the uh, West End show Bubbling Brown Sugar. And, um, and I was also, also on the challenge with this guy, Peter. And, um, 
And then um, I went for the audition and, was, and that's right, I wasn't, no one was allowed to audition. You weren't allowed, uh, it was strict rules, you couldn't. So I was the rebel and I went, coming to all my black friends who were about six of us, let's go and audition, there's an advert and, to get in this West End musical. And I didn't really know much about it, I was only 16. So uh, we all trundled along, we all did the routine, girl routine and, um, and then they'll say, oh, very, he looks as if he's really interested in the choreography, he's really interested in that oh, rubbish. And, <laughs> and then at the end of it, they said, would you leave your name and your number? And I was going to leave a false number because I just thought, if the school knows, mm. then I'm going to get in serious trouble. And plus, um, I was on a challenge at school to say I was good enough to stay on for the second year and I just called contemporary dance. So I wanted to win that challenge anyway. Um, Afterwards, I, uh, a day later, I, I get this phone call from the company saying, would you come for your second audition? I went, okay, oh, no. So I went for my second audition. It was only me. I thought, oh, gosh, oh, gosh. So I did it, and they said, we're really, oh, that's right. They said, can you sing? And I said, no, I'm just a dancer. Can you sing? Sure, you're, you can sing. You're, oh. <laughs> and this was... So that's what they said, because it was an all-black show. It was ah. an all-black cast. I said, but I can't sing. I can't sing. And so they said, surely you can sing. Don't you have something? No. So they said, can you sing Happy Birthday? So I sang Happy Birthday atrociously. And then they said, oh, well, okay, well, we'll, we'll let you know. <laughs> so then the following day, I got the call saying, we'd like you to join the company. But that same day when I went to school, they turned and said, Femi, we would like you to stay on for the next two years to train oh crossroads so I went back home crossroads (laughs) I went back home and I said to my dad I don't know what to do because I've just been offered a place with this western show I don't know how that's going to turn out um and they've also offered me um to stay on he said look you have to wear up pros and cons here he said, you can either leave, get your equity card, get experience, be in a top West End show with an American cast, still have your training, or you can stay at the London School of Contemporary Dance. No guarantees getting work in a company, a dance company, because it was more artistic. And that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in the dance company. Um, and there were no guarantees. So I know what I'd do. And I say, I think I know what I'd do too. So I gave my resignation at school, at dance school, and said, oh, uh, by the way, I'd just been offered a place in um, this new musical, Bubbly Brown Sugar, and the wind changed. They couldn't be nice really? to me. Because, uh, yeah, they, they were just like... And said, that's amazing. Because no, this was unheard of. Nobody in school had auditioned or gone into the commercial side. <sighs> Nobody. I was the first to break that mould. I said, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. And, you know, I've had a wonderful year here, but I'm going to leave because um, I feel that's my calling in the commercial Mm -hmm. world. Um, And it was more, you know, it was more jazz, ballet. uh, It was more my style. Um, And that's what I did. That was my my other crossroads, one of my many crossroads. And how did that go, that first job? That was great. It was, it, it was fantastic because it gave me a lot of discipline. It gave me, uh, and also because I was in the majority, I wasn't in the minority within my race of colour, um, being brought up in the 
white environment. Um, I didn't know anything about, you know, how to look after my hair, how to look after my my skin. Um, my mum didn't know. She had no idea. I mean, we had one other black family that sort of said, okay, Legra, you have got to do this, you've got to do that. But, you know, we had no idea. And this is when I was, and then when I got into Bum and Brown Sugar, then I was surrounded by all these beautiful people. And I just thought, wow, you know, this is, wow, wow. Gosh, so just that in itself. And, the, and this is when Michael Brown, she said, girl, come here. Let me just do something with your hair. Let me just straighten it. Let me just, and, you know, I didn't know anything about makeup. I didn't know anything, like, nothing at all. So in that respect, that was my um, life's teaching mm. about knowing, just becoming who mm. Femi was and honoring that and honoring, you know, the beauty of this black skin and, and being proud and that was incredible um and also they gave me the discipline of being a dancer and how you have to be twice as good that was another thing charles organs who was the choreographer he said you've got to be twice as good as everybody else because that's how it is they're going to judge you and you've got to be better than what they think mm. you are because of the color of your skin mm. and i just thought I, that, I, I, the thing is Merlin, i didn't even think mm. of that because being brought up in my family, it, color was never mentioned. I was never at school. I wasn't really picked on because that's not what I I carried in life. I didn't. I just. I was just femi. I wasn't femi. Little mm. black girl with nappy hair. I was femi who danced. So I was recognised for that. Um, so when I was told you've got to work twice as hard, you're going to um, face quite a few obstacles because of the color of your skin I it was alien to me mm. so I I sort of took on but I didn't because I thought well I've got this far mm. I've got this far why do I need to take another obstacle and if they don't like me tough luck it's their mm. loss mm. not my loss and so that was my attitude that I had um I think I've, you know, I think I've had that inner attitude since the day I was born, but that that came through even more so when I was with the show with the company. Um, but it gave me discipline. It gave me a, a sense of belonging. It gave me a strength. It gave me lots of things that were hidden inside that came out in the right yeah. time. Um, but it was the best, best first job at 16, 17 that I could ever have imagined to have because that's what it instilled all yes. that discipline in me during the next 40 yes. years. Oh, you're glowing. Just, just to um, watch you talk about it, there's just a, <laughs> a, a beautiful oh. sunshine coming from you. What was what was next? Oh, what came you. along? You had your role in Cats. That was original Cats? Yeah, original Cats. Well, um, after, okay, after after Bubbling Brown Sugar, I, I, I missed that out of my resume. I... I, I went to Germany and did this film for three months because I was dancing there. And then I did a few other jobs. And then um, um, I actually saved up from my the work that I did before I did Cats. Um, and then I went to New York and finished my yeah. training at the Alvin Ailey School because that's what I wanted to do. That's another thing I wanted to get ticked yes. off my list. I wanted to try and get into the Alvin Ailey company. So I thought why don't you go over there and train at the school? So I did that. And then I was only 19. I went over there and um, I trained there for about eight, nine months. 
and then um, I thought, actually, I want to go back to England. And I went back and then there's an audition for Cats, the original cast of Cats. And then again, I wasn't going to go out for it because I thought, who really wants to be prancing around being a pussycat? <laughs> no, thank you. And of course, back then, you, you probably had no idea <laughs> how big the show would, would come become. Oh, no one had no idea. No idea. And, you know, they're, they're auditioning. I thought, and my agent said, do you want to audition? I said, no, I don't. I'm not interested. And that was not me being arrogant. I just couldn't yeah. understand a show. I about still can't understand how it's so big. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I can't and I understand. Love and then, and then, <laughs> and then, um, and then, what happens? I got a call from my agent again, saying they cannot cast the twins. They want to get um, twins in 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 the cast. Would you be willing to go up? and see Trevor Nunn and Gillian Lynn um, and Andrew Lloyd Webber and go and prepare a poem and be prepared to With dance. your so twin? I did that. Oh. No, actually, I didn't, I didn't meet him. I hadn't met him. He had auditioned oh. already, I think. And they needed to do it once the girl twin. I think he had auditioned already. And so I went, went along and um, there's only two of us. You see, again, there weren't that many black female dancers back mm. then early 80s, well-trained, there weren't. And I was up against my best friend, who was who's called Hayward. Um, and she, she's, she's, she's a singer now. But anyway, I was up with my best friend and I thought, oh no, no, no. And she said, Femi, look, let's just go for it. And we did. And then I, they called me up and said, we'd love you to join the company. Aww. So that's how I got into Cats. And what was your cat name? That's a, my original cat name is Tantamar. And I understudied Bomb Ballerina. So Tantamar was on a draw. But anyway, and so we got, and then we, you know, we during during rehearsals, the first few weeks, we just were rolling around the floor and trying to be pussycats. And we all were saying, this is just rubbish. This is just not going to work. No one's like, and then that's like, they were, they were trying to get funding for the show to go on because no one believed in it. They'd, and they even asked us, would you be willing to um, either take a wage or maybe put, you know, to have shares in the company? We said, no, no, we'll take a wage. No one would back the company, um, having a lot of trouble. And then in the end, they got backing. But Elaine and then Judy Dench breaking her uh, Achilles tendon, that didn't work. And then Elaine Page had to come in. Elaine Page said, why am I doing the show and rehearsing? But anyway, the show came together, came together, and then the first opening of our preview, we had standing ovation, and Trevor Nunn came onto the internet and said, I think we have a hit on our hands. Wow. And that was from the first preview, and then the first show, for 20 years, it was it was a full house. Wow. Did you meet, meet some it really interesting incredible. people during that period? <gasps> we, <laughs> I met everybody. Everybody. Come on, tell us some names. Um, we okay, okay. Uh, we had um, we had Ginger Rogers came to see the show. We had Stevie Wonder. He came to see the show. Actually, Stevie came to see. Actually, when I went into the second time, and I went backstage, he said, "Stevie Wonder wants." Actually, first of all, he said, "Stevie Wonder's in the audience." And we, 
No, he's not. <laughs> Stevie Wonder's in the audience. And then we've got this 30-minute dance routine. And yeah, you know yeah, how yeah. he just sways like this <laughs> to the music. And we all try and look for him. We, we saw him. He's there, he's there. And we'll see if it's is Stevie Wonder to see if he starts swaying anyway. We were watching it and he got more <laughs> into the music. Steve Wonder. But anyway, he wanted to meet us after and he was just Aww. such a dream. So lovely. Um, and I sat with him and he was holding my hand Aww. and he said, Femi, you know what? That's an African name. You know, tell me about your story. And you know, I was telling him about my story. And, and then he said, I would love you to come over to America and come and see my show. And I said, oh. He said to his, his, his lady, oh, Marvel, give her my phone number. I didn't give him his phone number. I just thought, yeah, Steve, give me his phone number. And he said, if you're ever in New York or America, come and call me. So I was due to go over and I went over and I called, but I couldn't get him. I couldn't get hold of him because his body cards, which is a shame. But the lovely thing was he was there present Mm. for those 20 minutes, um, holding my hand, just saying it was lovely to meet you and... That was great. Um, we had oh my, the, uh, Prince Andrew came in those days when he was Grace Jones <laughs> in those days. Grace Jones, Grace Arnold jo- Schwarzenegger, oh. Um, Patrick. Oh my gosh! So everybody, everybody yeah. came to Paul okay. Newman. We met okay. Paul Newman, who was wonderful, and his wife. We went backstage to meet him and had drinks. So wow. many people came to to see the wow. show. So many. So it was an absolute. It was an absolute honour to be part of such history. Mm. Such history, and we never would have thought. And more history was to come. Look, you had a small part in one of the biggest, well, probably the biggest movie series of all time, and yet everybody knows you. Like, they know your (laughs) Your role, Star Wars, Star Wars. So, Return of the Jedi. Tell us about that experience. Yes, and your Plus character. Number three, four. <laughs> I have to share oh, to, to the listeners uh, that when I, yes. well, I think, my, can I just share this story? When I said to my, I said to my son, who's a big, big, big Star Wars fan, oh, like like wow. at Christmas yes. time, all he wants to do. We did it last Christmas. We're going to do this Christmas. Is is have a feast, and he and I, we're going to we we did it last Chris last Christmas. Do it this Christmas, back to back marathon of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That's his Christmas present. That's what he wants to watch it with me. Wow! So I said, wow. Do you know, remember the dancer Jabba the Hutt? And he said, Ula. <laughs> <gasps> so anyway, well done, son. Thumbs so up. go, Femi. I love it. I love it. Well, okay. Um, I um, again, my 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 agent called me up and said, "There's they're they're doing this film, and um, they would like to, they need to see about six, seven, eight, ten black female dancers. Would you go along to see the director at Twickenham Film Studios?" And again, I went, "Oh my goodness, what film is this?" Mm-hmm. What I do, what am I dance for? Anyway, so um, I went along to Twiggin Film Studios, saw Richard Marquin, and he said, and oh, that's right, they said, you have to go in your swimwear and a bikini. I went, oh, this just sounds crazy. But I went along because, you know, I like to go along for a laugh and just see where it's going to get me. <laughs> so um, I went along and with my, with my coat. <laughs> 
my bikini underneath is crazy. And I was sitting there, very nervous, and the doctor said, oh, yes, okay, Femi, um, so what have you done? I told him, and he said, do you dance? How well do you? I said, yes, I dance. I'm a, I am a trained dancer. Um, and I said, what is this film? He said, we can't say anything. We can't tell you. So I said, okay. He said, because it's a secret. He said, we would like to invite a few, few of you back, but... First of all, I need to see how you move and walk. So he said, can you just take your coat off? And I went, this is not going to be a blue movie. Went, no, 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 no. Trust me on this one. So um, he said, can you take your coat off and walk up and down? And I just felt so, sort of, oh, go on for me, do it. Something said to me, go on, do it. It's like, go on, go along to, the, the, yeah. to see the sky. Richard Margaret. Anyway, I walked up and down. He said, mm, okay, yeah, okay, right, okay. Well, um, well, I think I'll get you to come back and dance. So anyway, I get a phone call from, same goodbye to my husband there. <laughs> get a phone call from, um, from my agent saying they'd like to see you next week. So I went back. I had, there were about eight of us and um, we had to do this grueling audition. It was great. I loved it. And I knew the choreographer, Anthony Van Lass. And we were doing this really wonderful contemporary because he was he was a London contemporary dance company and contemporary come jazz and just oh wonderful movements and I went oh my goodness we still didn't know what what it was and I was getting changed and some one of the girls said listen please tell us what this film is and they said okay we'll let you out of the dark are you ready it's the next Star Wars movie and we all went oh Oh, my goodness. And I thought to myself, how well did I do the audition? Did I go over the top? Was I okay? Did I, da? And I had one of my other girls who was one of my rivals, and I thought, oh, gosh, it'd be great if I'd got this over her. It's not been horrible, but I, it was karma time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was karma time. Um, and I thought, oh. Anyway, I was doing Cats for the second time in London, back then and um I was given the choreographer I had to go back because I had to do the show get back by by six six thirty and I the choreographer said Femi are you going back up to London and I said yeah do, he said can I have a lift I said yeah sure He's, and we were chatting he said look Femi I'm not supposed to say anything but I think you've got a part oh, oh my god oh my god oh, he said oh, don't say anything and when I got back at the stage door um I had a message to call my agent called my agent very late because she, she said just call me on my home number and she said they're offering you a part in Star Wars mm. and I went oh my goodness this is amazing so that's how I'm that's how I got it but there's another story there because when I went and re- met Richard Marquin um, I was looking at him and I said boy I oh I know it. I, met you maybe in a past life or something I've met you and anyway when I went back home I was still living at home I said to dad dad said who's the director on the film and I said oh it's this guy called Richard Marquis or something because dad is always interested to find out who the director was because being a director himself and I said this guy called Richard Marquis oh and being so fickle I didn't care <laughs> I just thought and he said Richard is it Richard Marquin? I said, yeah, 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 Richard Marquin. That's who it is. He said, oh, my goodness, Femi, 
you know Richard Markham. We used to go have Sunday oh. lunches with him when you were only about six, seven, eight years old. And I thought, that's why I've seen him before. I, wow. I mean, I hadn't seen him for years. We used to go over to their family, have walks in the park, have lovely Sunday lunches with, over at their place. I swing on his legs. He was a player. And I thought, oh, that's who he is. So when I went for my first costume fitting, he called me, he called me in, in, in the wardrobe department. He said, oh, look, I hope it's all going well. I said, Richard, you know what? You know me. You do know me. He said, how do I know you? I said, I'm Richard Taylor's daughter. He said, oh, my goodness. I, oh, I was thinking, I know that oh. face. I know that face from some. Oh, my. Oh, what a lovely so story. Oh, my goodness. How, what? isn't it lovely and I said I said to myself I'm so glad I got it on my merit not because I knew him yes I got it because I earned that I earned it I worked for it not because I knew him but it was just so lovely Mm. to think uh, he's an old Mm. family friend so he really looked Mm. after me and then when we were on he was just a delight and I always, I always liked Richard. I thought, he, again, I thought he should be my second father, but you know, because he was, he was yeah, so lovely. Yeah. So that's how I got. Jedi. And uh, I mean, that movie was famous for its bikinis, wasn't it? That was that the. Well, bikini? You know what? I think my... Princess Leia. That was that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And yes. Did you yes. Get... But I think I. I, th- I think I set up the scene for that ah. as well because I think my costume was made before mm. her costume. Um, because they were having, they were thinking, oh, and then they were taking elements. I thought, we, oh, we have to make it some more bikini-like. Yes, yeah, so anyway, sorry, I just <laughs> wanted to get that one in. <laughs> so d- did you meet the, the stars? Luke and you know, Leia. I was so <laughs> lucky. Oh, I was so lucky because on Jedi... Um, I had everybody on. I had everybody on set. Um, I had um, Mark Hamill, um, uh, Billy Dee Williams, Harrison Ford, um, CP3O, R2D2. I had everybody. But this, the lovely thing is that um, Mark used to come when I was waiting to um, dance my routine. Mark used to just come up and Aww. sit next to me and just say, "Look, girl, you're doing well, and how are you doing today?" And gosh, this is you know that we've got to be really patient. Just, just yeah. words of I've encouragement he guy. gave me. Uh, yeah. Great guy, and Billy D. Williams mm. did the same. You know, he he had he had that sort of protection. Mm. I think they just came, made sure oh. I was fine, I was looked after. But I felt very much yeah. family there. There are no egos, mm. and it was quite daunting because yeah, you know, I, I was on my own having to dance onto everybody <laughs> in but a bikini. Being a professional, you just had to <laughs> in a bikini. Um, you just had yeah. to get on and do it, well. and and and. and uh, and that was the, well, it was just a wonderful wonderful the rest experience is history literally that yes, historical yes, the rest is history. performance yeah. so you mentioned that you had to uh what was it 30 years later 20 years later fit fit into the original costume again tell us about that oh my goodness again oh gosh it's just a, i was over in, in new york i was fed up with being in england and I just wanted to escape for a few days. And one of my best friends was living in, in New York and I didn't tell anybody. I thought, I'm not going to tell anybody I'm over. I just want to go in incognito <laughs> and, and just have some Femi time. So I did. I was staying in the infamous, infamous, the Chelsea Hotel. And um, I was out one day and I came back and my friend said, oh, there was, there's some... Um, 
a phone call. I had a phone call from this woman, this casting director, and um, it, and she she said she she works for Lucasfilm, Star Wars, and they're trying to track you down. And I thought, hmm, uh, this doesn't sound right. She said, well, she Robin Gerland's her name, and can you call her back? So I again, I thought it was a hoax. I thought it was not true, and I wasn't going to call back. I thought, oh, I'm not going to call back. It's you sure you're making all this up. And so something said to me, call this person back because I thought no one knows where I am <laughs> that's why I wasn't going to call back I called back and I said yeah hi this is Femi Taylor here and she said oh um hi Femi this is Robin Gerland um um we've been trying to track you down for about six months because George Lucas he wants to um he's trying to he would love to revamp your scene in the special edition of Jedi and I just thought revamp my scene he said yeah well we'd like to invite you back to, to add footage to your scene. And I went, I cannot believe what I'm hearing. <laughs> and they said, I said, oh, oh, okay. And they said, but the problem is you've got to fit in your original costume because um, we're going to merge scenes together. And they said, if you don't, we could CGI you. And I thought, oh. And they all said, you're not going to find Femi Taylor. And, and, and the casting director, so I'm just going back a little bit. The casting director said, yes, I am going to find her because if they were going to find me, they had to CGI. But she said, I'm going to try and find her. Anyway, they found me. They said, will you get some photos and have you changed? And I said, well, I'm 36 now and uh, I hadn't had any kids back then. And they said, just take some photos. So I went to this tacky gym and I took some photos of, of me just as I was, sent them off FedEx and... I got a call back saying, great, you haven't changed. <laughs> um, we'll fly you out two weeks later. So I had to get back to England. And then they flew and then they flew me out um, to to do more footage on in, in the in this in the in the scene of wow. Jedi. So that's how but it was just I just thought how and to this day I still don't know how they managed to find where I was that's amazing it's you a mystery it. it's a complete mystery you just attracted I attracted it I attracted I think I let's pause it. the yes. st story for a moment because sitting listening to you I mean I'm mesmerized it's just I love stories and but this power of crossroads yeah. uh, I mean do you think you know you're standing in front of two doors or two directions do you think life would mm. have been different if you'd chosen other ones or mm. do you think there's, it's a little bit, you would have created that magic and that favour, whatever path you'd chosen. Oh, that's an interesting question because mum said, if I hadn't have been found, I would have died. So I was, um, you know, I was about two weeks from death, even a week um, and that's why it took them so long to get us better because we were so sick. Um, and, you know, as I said, weighing two pounds, it was, we were just, there was no chance of survival. But I think if I survived, I, I think my spirit would have got out of where I was mm. in Nigeria. But I don't know. I just don't know what would have happened. Um, I, I think I would have carved a path somewhere mm somewhere else to get out of where I was. Um, but the interesting thing was that through all odds and through um, 
surviving things and and being you know being born this beautiful color i i was i had this inner determination i had this inner fighting spirit mm. i had this inner no matter what i'm going to i'm going to make something of my life and maybe that was my real mother mm. guiding mm. me because you know she lost her life through having my twin brother tim and myself at the age of 40 she she was only 40 she gave her life up for me to have a life so maybe um subconsciously i felt that you know she was the one she was my crossroads she yes. was the one who's pushing me she was the one saying you've got to hear all these little diamonds to to um to further your your life's mission your life path as as your chosen um calling in dance i guess i haven't really sort of thought about it in that way but i i think i think she now you know just even just even talking about it and i i you know i often think i don't want to break down here but i often i often think it's just so sad that i never met her and I often try and think to try and reach her, and I feel feel I don't reach her. But now you ask me that mm. question, I, that maybe she was, I still is my angel. Mm. She is my crossroads. So I'm so sorry oh, to it's like that, but I, I just suddenly thought, yeah, yeah. but I just suddenly thought, Marilyn, that mm. often I just think, oh, Felicia, Mum, where are you? My mother, where? I can't feel you. I can't. I just can't get in contact with her. She's but been there. I think all along she's, she's been, been there. there. <laughs> Duh, and I just thought, Femi, oh my goodness, the, she's just been there. Is there is just something so, I use this word wow. I use it a lot to describe things. There is something so yeah. wow about you. And I think whatever those crossroads, yeah. she has been there. She's been there. And I didn't even think yeah, just the whole had no time. idea. And when, the whole time. And when I was, you know, writing to you and thinking, oh, that'd be really nice to have some sort of, theme mm. and I thought yes crossroads mm. but so thank you for just you know just so my if my head my earpieces come out thank you for just allowing me to just open that yeah. area and just didn't even realize um yeah she's been there that's the name of your book by so, the way yes and I thought that too <laughs> and I thought crossroads maybe my, people might think that sounds a bit boring no but have you have to have tarted, up, tarted a bit. up a bit but I really do sense <laughs> or whatever I sense that's her, the, her spirit the... around you there's just yeah definitely something you have just not oh, been touched gosh. with the usual mindset or identity that no, someone that has been raised exactly. in your life you have this ability to no matter what crossroads you've got you've not got this oh life is happening to me it's you are no you are, it's you are flowing and you, it's I'm flowing mm. and I yes I flow in, with it just just so naturally mm. too you know it just comes to me so naturally and I make that choice mm. and I think oh okay um it's not because oh I want to be it's no ego that gets in the way mm. it's no that oh I've got to be better than anybody it's just my spirit says okay I'll take that on I'll take that on I'll take that challenge on I'll take that obstacle on I'll take and <laughs> um, whatever the challenge obstacles always positivity comes yes, out of it yes Always positivity comes yes. out of it. So and that just glows out. Yeah. So let's dive back into the yeah. stories. I'm Australian. Yes. You've got some Australian stories. Like, wow, tell oh, us. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. I mean, we How could, I we could talk Australia. for hours, couldn't we? I think. <laughs> yes, we could. We could talk for hours. Um, we could t- talk for hours. Um, I always wanted to go to Australia. A really good friend of mine, um, who I met when I was only 19, who was a very good friend of Michael Brown's actually, um, and Sunita's. And, um, we became very good friends and he said, Oh, you know, you'd love Australia. You'd love, they'd love you. And, and I thought, oh, Australia. And this is when I, and that's when I thought, oh, I should go. I, I must go one day. So I, I did go over for holiday and I loved it. And then I, I, I came back and then I, when I was doing um, um, Cats for the second time, actually wasn't doing Cats for the second time. I, I'd left that and I was in the band and I was having a little trouble with the two people who were um, my band members and they were trying to get me a sh- to be like Sade and I thought no I'm Femi I'm Femi and anyway it was just it wasn't working and I I was just so unhappy and oh it wasn't a happy time so anyway I just wanted an escape and then my agent again called me up and they said um oh they're doing Cats in Australia Melbourne but the part that you did Bomb Ballerina in London for the second time the person who's doing it she's just got into Les Miserables Cat Lawrence, her name is. She's gotten to Les Miserables, so she can't do um, the Park Bomb Arena. Um, so we were wondering if Femi would be interested to come over and do a swap. <laughs> we'll send somebody from Australia to do the London show, Nadia and Strat- Nadia. Sorry, I can't remember your surname, but Nadia. So I did a swap. So anyway, I got this phone call, and they said, "We need to go over to Australia to do a year's contract," and I thought. Bingo. Thank you. And back then, I'm, I've, I've been um, a Buddhist for many years. And when I was chanting, I, it, the image of Australia, map of Australia, kept on coming up. This before I got the phone call. And I thought, why is Australia coming? It was so strong. And then I got a phone call from my agent say, Melbourne, they want you to come over. Wow. So um, they, I said, I'd love to. And they said, you've got to pack your bags and leave in four days. And I packed my bags four days and went over to Melbourne, to Australia, to um, do the show Cats. And I told my band members, I said, sorry, I'm, I'm going. I said, oh, you know, you're just running away from, from, oh, anyway, I won't go into that. But anyway, that's how I got over to Australia. And um, I did Cats for a year and had a wonderful time. Um, I did, you know, who was in the late Megan... Uh, oh gosh, I'm so bad with na- so bad with names, but it was a fantastic cast, fantastic mm. cast. Um, and then I was going to come back, and I thought, no, I'm supposed to be in Australia, and I stayed for six, seven years. Mm. And you did some music videos with certain famous people. Yes, I <laughs> did in excess music video with, with them, which was fantastic. Um, I also um, I also did a show, Buddy Holly, which we travelled all around Australia, the main uh, Brisbane and Adelaide and Perth, went to New Zealand, um, and then I did um, I did a film called Flirting, which I was going to do Tandy Newton's part, Ooh. but I was a little bit too developed to play a sixteen year old back <laughs> when I was twenty seven. <laughs> And so, and so, um, uh, they they got Tandy to do it, and I ended up playing her stepmother. 
a very, very, very tiny part, but um, that was the, I think that was one of Nicole Kidman's first film. So mm-hmm. it was lovely to meet her and, and see how beautiful she is. Um, so I did that and um, John Dygan was the director on that and he was wonderful to work with, just wonderful. And Noah Taylor was, mm. of course, because he did my, the year my voice broke, so it was a follow-up to that. So I used to sit and talk to Noah a lot Aww. in between Aww. takes. And he's just a sweetie, <laughs> just a sweetie. And it's just great to see him. He's done so well, but he's a great actor. He's done mm. so well. Um, and then I did another film called A Kink in the Picasso, um, playing a manageress at this wonderful, diverse cafe. And Mark Gracie was the director on that. So that was great to to do those two films I did lots of bands of modeling I, I did a, a lot of lot of things in, in Australia and, and just loved living there I felt it was very much home mm-hmm. very much home so move forward you now live in <clears throat> Denmark you've yes. got a, a partner children yes is that, was yes. that a new crossroads um that wasn't so much a um this is my second because I was married before mm-hmm. and um and then divorced and then I met Klaus and uh, my children one's 18 and one's 20 ah. and I have my 18 year old living with me here uh but again that wasn't so much a crossroads it was like um I've met my soulmate oh. with with Klaus, oh. my husband. And he reached and out so, to me and I could just tell, I could yes, feel the relationship. Yeah, he's amazing. Beautiful. He's amazing. And um, and seasons change, I think, for many of us. And, and then Klaus came into my life and it's been amazing. He has two wonderful kids, two grown-up mm-hmm. kids. Um, and, and, and then I had to, you know, I just thought, well, no, I, I wanted to move out of London. I always felt London, England wasn't my home. Mm. And I've lived in many places. I always went back to England, but I felt, I didn't feel an affinity, a, a sense of belonging there. So when my Danish hubby said, we would love you to come and live here and Denmark will be a richer place to have you here. Um, I thought, yes, I'd love to come and live here. So I did. But learning the language has been a big problem. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's a very, very difficult mm. language, very difficult language. And being 59, you know, it's mm. normally when mm. you learn another language is when you're in your early 20s or something, but your brain doesn't work the way it should. Mm. It's not so much of a sponge mm. so much anymore. When you're, so it's been very, but it's a bilingual country. But I... I I, yes, I'm struggling. Is it home? Is it home? Yes, okay. it is. It's, it's, it's home. It's very much home. So what's very next? What yes. might be the next uh, step for Femi? Well, I'm just, um, I just, not thought. I've, okay, where do I start here? I've always been black there's been an expectation and how you sound. I'm just trying to <laughs> put it in a very, sorry, there's a long pause. Man. So there's an expectation, like you have this black sound, like singing. For when I went up for my auditions, it's always been an obstacle because I don't sound black when I sing. I don't sound black. Um, I have, you know, when I was in Australia, there's so many 
wicked singers who sounded so black. And I just went, ooh, out, ooh, ooh. <laughs> but anyway, I've also sort of had um sort of not hang up, but I thought, oh no, here we go. Like, I'm gonna open my mouth and it's not gonna what it's not gonna be what they think it's gonna sound like more sort of femi <laughs> so um i just thought oh i wish i i wish i had a good voice i wish i could maybe my next life I, I'll, I'll have a fantastic black singing voice and i'll be accepted so but then a lot of people have said to me you have a lovely speaking voice mm, you do. and so thank you <laughs> so have you ever thought of voiceover work and i and i thought hmm hmm no, well, no. I and then my wonderful friend wanted, said to me, Femi, we'd love you to narrate on these um, little short documentary films that we're doing um, and uh, because your voice will lend to what we need. So I did that. And then I thought, hmm, actually, I loved doing that. I loved doing narration. So when I went back to London about, I don't know, about two months ago before this crazy lockdown happened again, um, I did a voice of real and I just loved it. And I, so I thought that's the area I very much would like to get into, but now it's sort of the wrong timing because theaters aren't happening anymore. Mm. So every actor is going into voiceover work, mm. every actor. So it's like the competition is so stiff, but then everyone has a unique sound. Mm. And, and I've got to remember that. So um, I'm, I, that's, that's the area. I feel that's my next calling. But it's just so nice to say, actually, you've always had a voice. Maybe it wasn't in the area of singing, but I mean, I, I, I sing. I'm not a singer. I do sing. Just put that out there. <laughs> I do sing, but I'm not a singer. It's like when you have... I can dance, but I'm not a dancer. If you, I'm an actor. You're femi. I, 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 you I, have your, you, your I'm unique femi Taylor identity. I'm unique. <laughs> uh, yes, I have a unique identity, and I just thought that's my that's my voice, mm. and honour that. Absolutely mm. honour that. So, um, and plus, you know, when I had my 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 two boys, and I, I took off a lot of time um, to be a mum, and then about. 10 years when well, no actually not 10 when they, one was seven one was nine I thought I'd go back and retrain in architectural interior design so I went back into this wonderful school in um, London the KLC school of design and I graduated as an architectural interior designer so I worked in the and then I went to specialize in kitchen design studio which was wonderful so I worked for the studio and then I had my own company so during that gap 10-year gap um I, I retrained. So, I, you know, I've got that strength. Mm. I've got that strength to my bow as well. So how have you found entrepreneurial life? Do you see I yourself as... It, actually... <laughs> sorry, Do you see yourself again. as an entrepreneur? Well, actually, when I was having my... To get in my, my, my kitchen design company up and going, I thought, yes, yes, it's really great to be at the helm of the boat and and for you to be directing mm. and for you to create be creating and um from from your own talent from your own experiences and 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 passing on and giving it to other people and, and fulfilling their dreams so yes it's been it's it's been wonderful wow wow what have you found really hard this year this corona year yeah, I, well, I've been really lucky. Being in Denmark, it, it, 
it hasn't been like being in London. Um, but I have really felt for so many of my um, peers and all the actors who, you know, suddenly their platform has been taken away from them mm. um, because of this corona, COVID virus, without any preparation. That, that, that I, I guess with myself, I mean, I mean, being here, it's and having Klaus, you know, I had the support. But you know, if I hadn't had that, actually, you no, know, I'd go back into my kitchen design. So mm. I'd be, I'd, and I, you know, I've retrained, but a lot of them haven't retrained. You know, that that's been their career because mm. there's no other room to retrain. Mm. That is your life, and then suddenly, oh, the theatres are all closing. Mm. Um, you know, film work has stopped and they have to sort of create their own existence. I think it's been a very scary, scary um, time for so many people, especially financially. And I really think, how are people surviving? How are people surviving? And when is this going to stop? So it's been a really unprecedented, mm. unprecedented um, experience time for everybody. Ah. Oh. You know, I think it's taken a lot of breaths away of thinking, how are we going to survive this? How are we going to get through? But we will get through. Mm. What would you um, say? But it's very hard. What would you say? Because you are, you are that sort of person. You face a crossroads. I, I do believe your mum's guiding you, but you mm. have an identity that mm. is inherently, your belief system is it will turn out all right. What mm. would you say to people mm. in your industry or even business people who are finding that just they've had to shut up shop? What would you say to them to encourage them? I think you have to have your own inner belief system and have hope and say that winter always turns to spring, mm. no matter what. And, you know, for even for them to give themselves some sort of mantra to say, I... You know, I trust the process of life to take care of me. I know that this will surmount. This will surmount. You know, we're all faced with this awful, um, awful thing. But just, I, it's, I, it, but you know, sitting in that fire, it's so hard to believe that. Really hard to believe. And I think to. Or, or find something, excuse me, to find something else. It's not, I'm not, I'm not being fickle here. But just to say that I believe that we will get through this no matter what and to open yourself up to say there might be other areas in your life that haven't come into fruition mm. and maybe tap into that you can maybe um, start a business in. Um, you know, we just don't know. It's really hard. It's really hard to give some advice in that res respect. I, I just feel that to look in other areas, look at little pockets um, and say, OK, we will survive this. We will get through this. But it must be the hardest thing to shut up shop and, and oh, shut yes, down yes. all your and to say, what am I going to Because fear comes in and fear is our enemy. Mm. You know, fear is our mm. enemy. Um, so it's to the is to have that belief but it, I know it's hard when yeah. you're going through that fire but I love it's that word you difficult. use hope and I think op often hope is yes, the opposite hope. of fear isn't yes. it and yes. and to yes. look at I mean I like to get inspired by stories and just listening to your story today mm. to remind ourselves and yes it's hard when you're walking through it but collectively we're, mm. we're at a crossroads in humanity, aren't we? And there's yes, going we to are. be a story at the other end of this. 
Absolutely. And, and there'll be a magnificent mm. story. And there was, as I say, there's always, um, it, there's polar opposites, you know, as negativity comes positivity, always. Mm. That's the rhythm of life. Mm. That's the rhythm of life. Mm. So I really feel there will be, people will look back and say this had to happen for a massive change for whatever we do not know what it's going to be mm. but this there'll be light at the end of this and it there's a reason why it's happened yes, yes. there's a reason why this has all happened is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners that we haven't covered today oh yes um I would love, you know what, the other thing is I, I, I was going to mention about my conventions. Oh, go for it, yes. That, oh, oh, yes, you yeah, mentioned about no, Supernova. Can yes. I say I've been to Supernova Super- in Sydney? Oh, I'd love to. We would love to go to Supernova. So if anybody is listening to this who knows anybody, any of the um, promoters of Supernova, um, that would be fantastic because I haven't been to Australia for, since oh, 2012. It's a date for me. I'm due to come back. <laughs> it's a real date. But the wonderful thing, that's another thing, I didn't, I didn't touch on that. It's been playing the part of Ula has brought me so much in terms of travel mm. and uh, meeting my fans, going to mm. conventions all around the world, Russia, um, Tokyo, America, um, I would put Australia on the list, Europe, <laughs> and to meet people, so many people, I, I, people I would never have met, and to say thank you to all the fans who have supported me um, and come out Aww. to just just say how much they've adored me as playing Ula, and I just can't thank you enough. And everybody who I've met, it's been an absolute delight and pleasure to say a big thank you to all my fans. Mm. Um, and who would have thought, and I still can't believe that the character I played, that everybody knows her, even yes. when I was in Thailand one time um, in in a little village and my scene was being played on one of the televisions and they and um they were saying was that you and I said yeah that was me but so yeah it's it's extraordinary what what she has brought in my life it's extraordinary so um but I'd love to I'd love to come over to Australia and 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 do a a comic con I can see it happening I can see it happening yeah let's let's visualize it and we will we will meet up and we'll have lunch together (laughs) that that is a date you're on okay we're going to believe that into being okay (laughs) absolutely you're you're Melbourne no I'm Sydney oh you're Sydney oh Great. Fantastic. Sydney. Fantastic. Sydney. Fantastic. Uh, now, Femi, I ask it. Look, the show is called Lead Your Day. And uh, for me, leading is not out. I, I'm, I've got this personal mission to transform that word. You know, for me, leading yes. is about finding your wow, putting your wow out in the world. And I, and we need great, I mean, the world needs great leaders, you know, shining. Yes. We're, we're leaders. And so it's Lead Your Day. But a lot of what I do is about leading your world. And I always ask my guests, mm. what does that phrase mean to you when I say it? it's a little bit cheesy, a little bit corny, but there's so much depth to it and, and in different interpretations. What would that phrase mean to you? Lead your world. Lead your world. Now, I f- immediately that comes to lead your world is lead yourself, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. so if that makes sense, because your world 
is your world, your inner world, which your inner world becomes your outer world. So to really lead what you believe, as the word belief, believe, belief, um, and to to so tap into that. So lead your what you think is best for you, um, um, whatever it may be. So I, I think, it, it, in short, it's lead your own inner world. Mm. So your outer world um, becomes your environment, becomes your reality. If that makes sense. I think that's beautiful. I think it's great. And I think you are an amazing example of that because your life has totally reflected what has gone on inside. Absolutely. And you can have, thank you. And and you can have, you know, you can have people that see, inspire people who lead their worlds too. But I think it all goes, boils down to you. It comes from you. Like if you want change, don't ask everybody else to change. You have to change yourself. Um, and I think that's leading your world, lead, lead, lead the world. So I think that would be my answer is to, to you know, lead your inner guide, mm. your inner experience, whatever it may be, and be proud of it and be brave. Mm. No matter what, don't do what other people want you to do. Do what you feel you must do. Mm. And I've often, you know, there's been a few... Couple of times I've had to speak to kids in schools, mm-hmm. and and they've um, and they've said, you know, they've wanted to get into the business. I said, it's not about anybody else; it's about you. It's your life. It's you have this one chance in this lifetime. You have your own particular calling, your own speciality. You're all different, all individual. And I say to again, I say to so many people, everybody's important, from the person who sweeps the, the streets to a surgeon, to everybody has a function in this world. Everybody does to make it go around. And I hate it when people downgrade um, others, think they're not good enough, because without them, like for instance, you know, if I'm doing a show and you have a dresser or if you're on set and a tea lady, without them, you wouldn't be able to get dressed. Without them, um, you know, if someone's bringing you a cup of tea, everybody isn't so important. So. I couldn't stress that more, that um, whatever you want to do, and I say to Lisa, whatever you want to do, you believe in it and you go for it. You go for it because no one else will. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. That is your inner calling in your life. Mm. Mm. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. I could listen to you. You have quietened me up. I normally talk quite a lot on these interviews. No, 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 no. I have just been captivated and I love stories. It's just been beautiful. Thank you, Femi, for this beautiful episode. And, uh, yes, thank you for who you are in the world. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And also, I just, I have to just say, you know, I've got some, I have some wonderful friends. Um, and my original twin, just quickly called Donald War, he, um, he was in Buds Malone, but he's been an absolute inspiration. I just want to say this because he's going to be listening to this as well, but say <laughs> Donald War, thank you so much for being such an inspiration and such a wonderful friend um, since we've known each other. Actually, he was in Bubbly Brown Sugar. That's how ah, we've known each other. So ah. um, he's been my, my soul brother. Ah. And again, thank you to my lovely, wonderful husband, Klaus. He's amazing. And thank you. And to my lovely kids, Dylan <laughs> and Jack.
and my family, everybody, just everyone who, who's come in contact with yeah. in my life. Thank you. You are very welcome. Hey, can you do me a favor? I've got three things I'd love you to do. Number one, pause and hit subscribe right now. Then number two, share it with someone you know that needs to hear this. And number three, go and write me a review. Yeah, it's a bit of a hassle to go find what to do, but it's really worth it to get the message out. And then finally, set a goal to go for a daily walk and listen to this podcast. Because the faster we can share this message, the greater the benefits. Thanks for listening and I'll see you tomorrow.